Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We are looking at this series here, or the title of this series uh, is You're Not the Boss of Me. Okay, and this is week three uh, in the series. Uh, as many of you know, we are uh, a church that's connected. Uh, we're part of Elim, denominational churches. We're also part of churches uh, locally. And we've got connections overseas as well. Uh, and there's a church in America that we're connected to now. And um, this is one of their series which they've let us use. And so we're adapting it and taking it and passing it on to you guys. And it's, I think it's going really, really well. And I'm certainly learning a lot from it as I'm preparing for it as well. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are on social media of any description? Let me see your hand. Fantastic. How many of you are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. What are these words that you're using? Okay. You know, if you are on Facebook, can I just say, just throw this out there. Our Facebook page, Life Central, we are a few, just a few off 2,000 likes, okay? And the achiever in me, because I'm an Enneagram 3, if you know what Enneagram is, it would be really great if there's like 25 of you out there who haven't liked our Facebook page. If you could go and like that today, that would make me a very happy human being. Is that all right? Could you do that? Just to get us over 2,000. I don't know why, but I'm just throwing that out there. But you know, a few, I'm into social media and I know there's a lot of downsides to social media. Uh, okay. Uh, but a few years ago, I thought, I'm going to go onto Instagram. And I went onto Instagram. I don't really know what I'm doing, to be honest. I thought, I'll go onto Instagram because there I can post ridiculous selfie faces, which many of you know I have been doing on a regular basis. But the thing is with Instagram, and it's the true of all social media, one of the downsides, especially to Instagram, is this, that all of a sudden you realise your family is not as cool as everybody else's family. Isn't that right? And as a preacher, I suddenly realise my clothes are not as cool as all the other younger preachers' clothes. And then you start looking at other people's holidays. And your holidays are not as glamorous as their holidays. And you start looking at their car. And your car is not as shiny or new as their car. And you start looking at their house. And you realise your house is not as great as their house. Then you start looking at other people's wives. No, you don't go there. You don't go there. But basically, it creates an emotional reaction within you. And I think social media, like anything, is a, a great tool, but a terrible master. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tool, but a terrible master. And, and here's the thing, because what social media does is it evokes emotions within you. And they can become the boss of you. And our subtitle, if you like, um, is how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. I'm going to recap every week, uh, or most weeks, on, on the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 15, uh, where Jesus says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then comes out of the body? To which the disciples that heard it at the time said, Of course we know that. We see that every single day. But Jesus says, No, no, I'm getting at something else. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. goes on. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Eating with unwashed hands is hygienic, but it doesn't defile them. And basically the word defile is a religious word that means it puts you at odds with God. And it puts you at odds with God because what's on the inside of you, when it comes out of you and it puts you at odds with people, then it also puts you at odds with God because God loves people. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's not what goes in that's the big deal, it's what comes out. Because what comes out of you is already in you. 
And last week we looked at that big jar of sweets and we shook it up and we said, does shaking it up determine what's in on, the, on the inside? No, absolutely not. What's on the inside determines what's on the inside. Shaking it up and pouring it out just releases what's already on the inside. And so we say things like this. I didn't mean to say that, but you did. But you just didn't mean to say it out loud. It, I didn't mean to do that. I'm not sure where that came from. But actually, Jesus says, I am. I'm really sure where that came from. It came from the heart. It came from the inside. And we as a culture, we learn to monitor our actions and our behaviours, but we don't learn to monitor our emotions and our heart. Last week, we looked at the emotion of guilt. Thank you. Don't want any of you to feel guilty about not remembering that, okay? But this week, we're going to look at this one. Envy. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever heard a talk on envy in your life, okay? Because I don't think there are many talks on envy out there. You could use the word jealousy, but envy kind of is a little bit more gritty, I think, than the word jealousy. And I actually want to suggest to you guys, I think this one is one of the ugliest emotions that there is. And this is ugly because if we're really honest, and this is going to get painfully at times and awkwardly honest today, if we're honest, if we've got envy, all right, what happens when someone we're envious about messes up, fails, trips up, blows it, deep down, aren't we a little bit happy? And when we see that in ourselves, it's an ugly thing, isn't it? When we see that reaction, that response to when somebody else messes up or when, when it doesn't go well for someone else, that reaction is, is a really ugly reaction. That's envy. It makes us feel a bit better about ourselves when they're not doing quite so well with themselves. And we live in an age of envy. We have kitchen envy. We have clothes envy. We have shoe envy. We have upper arm envy. We have car envy. We have all these kinds of envy. And social media fuels that thing within us. But that doesn't determine what's in you. You can't blame social media. All that does is it surfaces what is already in you because that is in the heart. And I want to suggest that comparison trap is an absolute killer. Now, some of you who are a little bit older will remember the two Ronnies. Anyone remember the two Ronnies? Some of you think, who do they play for? The two Ronnies were comedians, okay? And uh, they did a sketch with John Cleese in 1966, the year that I was born. And John Cleese, a very tall guy, with a very posh, do you remember this sketch? Ronnie Barker in the middle and then little Ronnie Corbett in the end. And it's a brilliant sketch. It's two minutes on YouTube, okay? Because Ronnie, uh, John Cleese says, I'm upper class and I look down on him. And Ronnie, and I know we don't use these terms now. Ronnie Barker says, I'm middle class. I look up at him, but I look down at him. And then there's little Ronnie Corbett saying, I'm working class and I know my place, okay? And the whole sketch is all about comparison. Who looks to who? Who looks down? Who looks up? And actually, 53 years later, we're in a worse situation when it comes to envy, I think, in comparison. Because we look at other people and it determines often how we feel about ourselves, doesn't it? And we look at their life. And we look at their situation and, and it creates within us something on the inside of us. And it, at times it can be an ugly, ugly emotion. And, and, and so we look and we say, well, we're living at home and we look at our mates and they're living in a flat. So we've got to get a flat. But then they move out of a flat into a house. So we've got to get a house. And then they move out of a house into a bigger house. So we have to have a bigger house. 
and, and then they have kids, so we have kids, and then, oh, their kids have gone, we don't want our kids. And we, we just comparison, comparison all the time, and we're never happy with where we are. And a guy called Solomon, thousands of years ago, who was, the, who was the son of King David that you'll have heard about, he wrote some incredible words, and he wrote this in Proverbs 14, verse 30. Envy rots the bones. That's really graphic, isn't it? It's like envy rots the bones. Um, in the message it says, runaway emotions corrode the bones. It leaves us competing with people who don't even realise there's a competition. And you and I are often competing with people, they don't even know there's a competition. Because we've got this envy which is absolutely rotting, destroying, corroding us on the inside. So here is my advice to you today. Stop it. Now, if only it was that simple. Isn't that right? If only we could walk out this morning saying, I'm not going to envy anybody else again. I don't care what their family looks like. I don't care how their holiday looks like. I don't care what their clothes look like. Um, if only it was that easy. I don't think it's that easy. And this is why I don't think it's that easy. Because I think envy is this, okay? Envy is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Because the reason, the reality is we're human beings, guys, and we're broken and we're flawed and we're going to look at other people. And sometimes we'll look at other people and it will inspire us. And that's a good thing. Sometimes we look at other people and it will call good things out of us. So I don't think it's a problem to solve. I actually think it's a tension to manage. And Solomon gives us a place to go to mentally, okay, when we begin to lean emotionally. Last week we talked about guilt being like a weight and it throws you off balance. Envy is like that as well. And, and, and so Solomon says, here's a place for you to go mentally when you begin to lean emotionally, Okay. So we're going to look at that today and it's from Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4 to 6 and we're going to work through this passage. Now this is from the Old Testament part of the Bible. Some of the words in Ecclesiastes are a little bizarre, okay? And some of the meaning is a little difficult. But, but within that, there's some great stuff. And he says this, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. So Solomon, who was very wise and he was very loaded, very rich, he had all of that stuff, but he's looking around and he's saying, I realise that people are working so hard and they're toiling and they're trying to achieve. And some of that is springing out of their envy of one another. Something's driving them on the inside. Then he goes on to say this. Next verse. This too is meaningless. And then I love this phrase, a chasing after the wind. It's so descriptive. It's like, it's pointless because you're never going to get there. And, you, and, and when you get there, then, then you'll realise that you're not there because you'll just keep chasing it. And it's like chasing the wind. I was chatting to someone this week who we were talking about leadership, someone that I coach, and he said, I'm finding leadership at the moment is like, it's like I'm trying to gather water. I'm like, I'm like bringing water together like this and it just disappears. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's pointless. It's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And it, it, what, what happens is that people are determining where they are compared to where everyone else is. And what he's saying is that this is meaningless. You're never going to find it. You're never going to get there. It's endless. There's no finishing line. And have you noticed that everyone else has a better er than you? Do you know, do you know what I mean by er? Like everyone else has something. You're like, they're smarter or it's newer or it's bigger or it's faster or it's cuter or it's better. Do you know what I mean? And someone always has a different er to you. And so what Solomon is saying, this is meaningless. This is pointless. And you know what? I'm not immune to this. 
I'm not immune to this. In fact, as I'm thinking about putting myself into this message, you know, I remember in my 20s and when, when I first felt called to Christian ministry and Alison was working as a nurse and, and I worked in a, in a, in a charity and, and, and I've, she's earned more than I have most of our, of our life really. And, and, and in my 20s, I didn't care about money because I was wanting to serve Jesus and all my peers, they didn't have any money neither. But then when you're in your 40s, and your peers are going on the holidays and buying the second and the third house and all of that and all of that. All of a sudden you realise that you're human just like everybody else. And I've, got, and I've got to get a grip of that and say, hey, hey, Envy, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're not going to boss me around because that is chasing after the wind and it's meaningless and ultimately it will rot my bones. Now, when emotions go in this window. Now, what Solomon then goes on to say is this. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So he's not saying don't do anything. He's not saying don't be ambitious. He's not saying don't work hard. He's not saying that. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Being non-productive or unproductive is not the answer. But here's the answer, and this is great. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In other words, better just to get what you've got and take what you've got and live in contentment than try and chase after what you imagine everybody else has got. That is like chasing after the wind and it is meaningless. I read a story uh, just last night when I was just going over this about a woman whose daughter had collected uh, money from the tooth fairy. Oh, this is great. Every time her daughter, Rachel, lost a tooth, they put it in a small envelope and put it under her pillow. And behold, in the morning, the tooth was gone and in its place was two pound. This was great. Two pounds was a lot of money for Rachel. Until she went around to her mate's house and her mate said, oh, I, I uh, lost a tooth and I woke up this morning and there was 10 pound under my pillow. Rachel was perfectly happy with two pound, but all of a sudden her mate has got 10 pound. And so Rachel went up to her mate's mom and said, Mrs. Kraft, would you mind doing me a big favour? Would you please call my mom? Tell her which tooth fairy you use. <laughs> because you see, what happens is that we're perfectly content and we're peaceful and we're tranquil until we see something that somebody else has got. Isn't that right? And all of a sudden, emotion, that emotion of envy becomes the boss of us. But this is true, guys. This is true wisdom here. Less is more when it leads to contentment. See, see Solomon's saying, the Bible's saying, hey, you, you better have one handful with tranquility and peace than two. Then you're trying to get two with toil and chasing after the wind because you'll never be content. The better result is peace within you. Better is one handful with peace than trying, trying to prove to the world just how better your life is and trying to crop and to filter and to edit and to take it again and to pout and to do all that so that you can show everyone else just how amazing your life is. That's chasing after the wind, guys. That, the Bible says, is absolutely meaningless. And then Solomon sees something else. He sees something else. It says, this, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There's a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. <laughs> this is, so, is 3,000 years old or something like that written. Do you know what I mean? This is amazing. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Now in Solomon's day, you, you couldn't leave any inheritance to a woman. Okay, that was just how the, how the culture was. And so he, he's got no son nor brother. So whatever he's amassing, he can't leave it to anyone. So what the Bible, and you need to know that, because what the Bible's really saying is this, hey, you're running around trying to get all that stuff. Who are you doing it for? And what he's really saying is this, 
Guys, what's really driving you? What's really driving you? Because you're not going to leave it to anyone because you can't leave it to anyone because he's on his own. So what really is driving you? Who are you trying to prove it to? What are you trying to achieve? I wonder if it's like the parent that, you know, oh, oh I'm doing this. I'm, I'm working so hard and I'm doing it because like, it's for the family. I wonder how many of your kids are waking you up at six o'clock in the morning and say, come on, dad, you've got to get out there. You've got to do 70 hours for your family. I wonder how many of them are actually doing that. Are we really doing it for our family or is there something else going on on the inside? Are we trying to prove it to somebody else? Is there a name? Is there a face? Maybe a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a colleague, an ex-friend. Maybe there's someone that you're trying to prove something to. Listen, if you're not a Jesus follower today, you will never be the person God has created you to be while you're always looking over your shoulder to somebody else. And if you are a Jesus follower, look at this, look at this. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life while you're distracted by God's purpose for somebody else. And I want to say, envy's a big issue in the church. There'll be many people within this church and we will be looking at other people and the emotion of envy becomes the boss of us. And how we react to people becomes the boss of us. And how we chase things becomes the boss of us. And we're doing it because there's a boss on the inside that's driving us. And this is challenging stuff, I know. Now, let's go back to the verse that we started with from Solomon. Let's read the whole verse because this is an amazing verse. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. There's this couplet, the way that the scripture is written. A heart at peace, and then in the message, okay, we're going there. A sound, a sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. And Solomon is saying that, that if you let envy be the boss of you, it's a destroyer, it's a corroder, it rots your bones. If you find what it is to live at peace with who you are and with who God has made you to be and what God has put in your life, that is a much better way to live your life. Now, I, I think you cannot compare or compete your way to peace. And yet we all try and do it. And this is true for me as well in, in what I do, okay? And so for me as a church leader, and often church leaders, we go to conferences, okay? And we start talking to people. And it isn't long before someone says, how many do you get coming to your church? And it's exactly like little Ronnie Corbett and, little, and big, bigger Ronnie Barker and very tall John Cleese. And so many people in, in, in our world, okay, uh, in fact, we are helping a lot of churches locally. In fact, Andy, our next-gen pastor, he's at another church in Dudley helping them and speaking this morning. And we had six churches uh, leaders gathered here yesterday. And we're trying to help churches. And they look up at us, but we look up at massive churches as well. And the reality is when you talk to those guys, they also have all those kind of issues as well. In fact, I was talking to a church leader recently um, and he said last year in their church, they had 18,000 new people join their church in a year. And I'm looking at him saying, you haven't got any issues. He says, yeah, and we're not growing. Which means that you lost 18,000 people as well. And he says, every single issue you have in your life, we have exactly the same issue. We just have more zeros on the end of it. And it was a leveler because like I'm looking at him thinking envy, envy, compare, compare. And he's just saying, hey, you don't need to do that. as chasing after the wind. And I want to say to you guys, whatever is driving, we need to look at the inside. Who or what is driving us with this whole thing called envy? Now, it's good to look for others. But when we look to others, listen, next one, Josh. We look to others for inspiration, not imitation. It's good, isn't it? We look to others for inspiration, not 
imitation. And I love this quote from Jordan Peterson. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. That's so good. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Many years ago, I was leading a trip. I think it was to Bulgaria. And it was a trip of young adults. And um, uh, we, had, we were a meal. And I'll never forget this. We were, we were in a meal one time. And I was walking, working my way around the table, just checking in on everyone, seeing how everyone was feeling. And, and I chatted to this girl. who's was an amazing singer. And um, she was there. And, she, and I said, how are you doing? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I said, I just don't really know why I'm here. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, I look at so-and-so and and she names someone. And I I can see why they're here because they're such a great communicator. I went, okay. Then I went a little bit later and I chatted to this person, this other person's name. And I said, how are you feeling? She says, well, I'm okay. I just don't really know why I'm here. And I said, why? Well, I look at that person, the really great singer, and I can see why she's here. And they were both saying exactly the same thing about each other. Because we compare ourselves to who someone else is today rather than comparing ourselves to who we were Yesterday, does that make sense? And I want to say to you guys, if we keep comparing, if we let envy be the boss of us, it will corrode, it will rot our bones. Now I want to push it a little deeper. If you're a follower of Jesus today, I want to push it a little deeper. Last week we looked at this, we said this, guilt, guilt is I owe you. I think envy is God owes me. Deep down, if you're a follower of Jesus, now there's an envy out there that all of us have as human beings, but I think there's something else a little deeper for many of us if we're followers of Jesus, where maybe we feel, God, if you love me, why don't you give me what you've given them? You owe me. I wonder how many have looked at other people's families and we've looked at their situations with their kids, or maybe we can't have kids and we've looked at those who have got kids. And maybe deep down there's an envy, there's a boss. And it's saying, hey God, you, you just let me down. You, you just, you owe me. And you know, we, we know the reality of that situation. We have kids, but you know, we have a kid that's got very difficult, complex needs and growing up and seeing his peers, you know, how they've thrived and, and all of that stuff and getting married. And we know all those kind of issues and we have to deal with all those kind of issues. And listen, we will never solve that problem. We just have to keep managing the tension. Because there are moments when we look and think, oh, okay, okay, that's what 25-year-old lads do. Not us. Okay, that's what happens there. Not us. And we have to fight that all the time. And at times, I know for me, I can't speak for Alison, but I know for me that little boss of envy gets the better of me and begins to boss me. And then I have to say, hey, envy, you are not the boss of me because you will corrode my bones. If you're a follower of Jesus, James says, The brother of Jesus says that that there'll be quarrels and fights among you. And the bottom line is that you you didn't get what you deserve, what you thought you deserved and someone else did. And you know, here's the way that we monitor our hearts. One of the things we've got to do is we've got to count our blessings, not our neighbours. Using old language, you know, count your blessings, remember that? Got to count our blessings, not your neighbours' blessings. You know, gratitude is incredibly powerful for the bones. I love this quote from a guy called Craig Rochelle. Envy is when you resent God's goodness in other lives and ignore his goodness in your own life. How many of you have done that? I know I have. When we resent the goodness of God in others and we ignore the goodness of God in ours. When your mind drifts and your emotions begin to get the better of you, what can you do? What I want to do this morning, okay, I know this is quite heavy, but this is real stuff, is I want you to look at this next slide. And I want, I want, to read, I want us to read it out. You see, when you're tempted to compare, stop and declare, envy, you're not the boss of me, I will not chase the wind. And there's something powerful about our words declaring, isn't there? 
So why don't we say that together? Let's say it out loud. When tempted to compare, stop and declare, envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Now let's say it with a bit of attitude, people. Come on, here we go. When tempted to compare, stop and declare, envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Now can I tell you, the next time you go online, the next time you pick up your phone and scroll, you will do that. You will start comparing because you're human. At that point, say, whoa, I'm stopping and declaring. Envy. Envy. I will not chase the wind. Because it's meaningless. It's pointless. I'm in a competition with someone who doesn't even know there's a competition and I can't win anyway and I don't want to win anyway, really deep down. That's absolutely what is going on. Now, if there's a person in your world and you're really envious of them, how can you as a follower of Jesus manage that? Let me tell you, pray for them. Pray for them. You think, I don't want to do that. Pray for them. A guy called F.B. Meyer was a a communicator of the gospel many years ago. Uh, He had meetings in a place called Northfield, Massachusetts. And large large crowds came to, to gather. And then this other guy called G. Campbell Morgan came to the same place. And bigger crowds came together and it started to eat away at him. And in his writings, he said this, the only way I could conquer my feelings was to pray for him daily. And to pray that he would be blessed. Because as I pray that he will be best, then I'm saying to the emotion of envy, envy, you're not the boss of me. I've got a bigger boss. I've got a bigger boss and his name is Jesus. And and here's the other way that we do it. Don't compare yourself to one another. Love one another. It's very hard to do both, isn't it? It's very hard to envy someone when you're loving them as well. And James said in James chapter four, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And he's not talking about asking God for stuff. He's talking about asking God for meeting the deeper needs of what's going on. You think all that stuff and all that stuff that you see in other people's lives, you think that will make you happy. That will bring you tranquility. That will bring you peace, but it won't. It's like chasing after the wind. You need to come to me. Augustine said this, our heart heart is restless until it rests in you. And there's something, guys, I want to say about the presence of God and about understanding who God is and about letting God meet you. That is an antidote to the enemy and to the emotion of envy. I really believe that. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So is it possible that envy has become the boss of you? Has the source of that got a name or a face? Are you living out your life trying to prove something to someone? Maybe a brother, maybe a sister-in-law, maybe a friend, maybe a boss, maybe a deceased parent and you're still trying to prove something and envy kind of drives you in that whole pursuit. You know, your life, and, and, and Solomon says, that's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. But what's meaningful is a life not lived for that, but live for others. And you see, when you're gripped with envy, here's what I've noticed. It's very, very self-centered, isn't it? Envy is very, very self-centered. You're not thinking about how you can bless someone else's life while you're gripped by envy. But when you realise who you are and you stay in your lane and when you're in your lane and you're at peace with your lane, then you can look at how you can make a difference to other people. Then you can look at how you can go beyond to others. 
So let's follow Jesus this year. Isn't that a good thing to do? Let's let Jesus be the boss of us. And when envy comes and we're tempted, and we're tempted to let envy be the boss of us, we're going to stop and declare, envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. I want to put this up as a final style. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And if you've got a phone, I'd love you to take a photograph of that. Okay? If you can see that. I'd love you to take a photograph of that. And I want to ask you this week to think about those three questions and to do those three things, okay? Because information will never bring transformation. Only application will do that. So in what areas are you most inclined to chase the wind? Is, is there someone, is there the shadow of somebody that's looming over you and you're trying to prove yourself to somebody who may not even know that that's what's happening. They may not even be around now. And that's what's driving that whole envy and that whole chasing and that toiling. Are you competing internally with anyone, a parent, a sibling, a friend or a colleague? And then how about memorizing this? Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You know, sometimes, you know, I want to say, God, what did you, you know, why did you do that? Why did you buy that house with that massive mortgage? It's killing you. What for what? What are you trying to prove? Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. As we come to land this morning and as we come to respond, we are not going to do the response stations that we've done the last few weeks. We're going to respond in worship. I invite you to stand. Would you stand with me? And I've asked the guys to do a song that we did a while ago. And because there's a couple of really, really important lines in this song that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to wants to bring to some of us this morning. And I know this is a very practical series, okay? But I believe that when we, when we let the practical power of God's Word intersect with our lives, it's incredibly powerful. And in this song, it says, time and time again, it says this phrase, you have been so good to me. You have been so kind to me. And I want to do something this morning which may be a little bit weird for some of you if you're not a follower of Jesus and this is all new to you, okay? But, but please, it's not that weird, all right? It's not that weird. But I want to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment, okay? And if this is comfortable for you, I want you just to put your hands out in front of you. Because what I want to do is I want to ask God to bring to your mind now those areas of your life and your heart where you have allowed envy to be the boss of you. Maybe it's in the area of your family. Maybe some of you, you know, you're looking at everyone else get married. And you know that actually, and maybe deep down you think, God, you owe me. You owe me. Maybe that's become the boss of you. And there's an envy towards other people. Or, or maybe they've got kids and you haven't. Or maybe their kids look like this. Or maybe theirs is smarter or faster or brighter or bigger or better or cuter or nicer. And you've allowed that. And so as you open your hands, I'm going to ask Vicky just to sing a little bit of this song over you this morning, okay? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to let maybe begin to let some of those things go. And then that He would bring to your mind and your heart the ways in which God has been good to you. And the ways that God has been kind to you. And, and, and as we begin to, to listen to this and let, let the Holy Spirit work, then then then. Vicky will encourage you to start singing. And then as we start and we sing this song, let's worship Him through this song. Let's thank Jesus for the reckless love, the, the abandoned love that, that He went through for us. 
And you know, here's the thing. He, he kicks down every door for you, not just that person that you're envious of. He, he lights up every dark place for you. He climbs every mountain for you. And when we live in that, when we live in the reality of what God has done for us and who He is in our lives, let that occupy our emotions and our space. So let's pray. Just put your hands out for a moment. Jesus, I want to pray that, Lord, as we, as we take these special moments now just to connect with You, God, I pray that even, even this morning that some of those things that, that we've been envious of, some of those, those people, some of those um, some of those posts, some of those photographs, some of those feelings that have become the boss of us. Jesus, we surrender them to you right now. We release them. We let them go. And God, we open our hands because we are so grateful for all that you've done. And Lord, this morning, would you remind us just how good you've been to us? Would you remind us just how kind you've been to us? And may we live in that place. Jesus, I pray that you come by your Spirit now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name.